Today, as I'm pre-recording this thing in a small town in the state of Mexico, I want to talk about change. Change may be the one thing I'm sure will keep happening in my life. The person I am today is not the same person I was five years ago, and they again are not the same person I was 10, 15, or 20 years ago. When I thought about this topic, two people came to mind. Sarah, who I met at a hostel in Antigua about 10 or so years ago, and Rachel, who I met at the same hostel about 15 years ago. You've met Rachel in an earlier episode, and you'll probably meet Sarah sometime in the future. I was thinking about what causes things to change for me. That is to say, what causes me to become yet another version of myself that I haven't previously been. I believe it's mainly two things. Relationships and travel and living abroad. When I say relationships, I mean any kind of relationships, including friendships, including even those brief connections I've had with strangers. Sometimes you say something or they say something, and there's a spark that takes me down a rabbit hole of self-discovery. I mean, I met someone on a bus once and we spent the entire night talking and then I visited Israel, took a political science class, explored the anti-German movement, and wrote a thesis and had critical conversations with my grandmother about Nazism. That one encounter with Shimi, their name is all I remember, stayed with me for the next two or three years. It led to other connections, disconnections, readings. It led to my dedicating my master's thesis to Shimi and to that night on a bus to Santa Elena, which is the jumping-off point for visiting the Mayan ruins of Tikal in the hot and humid Guatemalan rainforest. And you know the funny thing? I don't even remember all that much about Tikal, that place in front of which everyone is taking selfies to check them off their bucket list. But I sure remember that night on the bus, and that night we spent sitting on a bed in a hotel room talking. I remember Shimi saying that I, being Austrian, could never know what it was like to not have a quote-unquote homeland, a place you are from and can always go back to. I went to great lengths to try and be someone who could understand this. I wanted to understand what it was like to be on the side of the victims, even though I myself am a descendant of the perpetrators. Yad Vashem made me cry. A museum had never had that effect on me before. And I concluded that Shimi was right. There are places I can't go, try as hard as I may. But back to other relationship-related changes, and travel-related changes, that is. There was something Rachel told me in Oaxaca a year or so after we met in Antigua and were volunteering at a safe house for migrants together. I was having a tough time because I was in love with someone who didn't love me back in the same way. Or maybe they didn't allow themselves to love me back in the same way. I don't know. Let's call them Sophia, which is not their real name. Sophia had grown up in a cult in the south of the US, and being queer was logically okay for their atheist adult self, but emotionally not. And I had tried to escape to Oaxaca with Rachel, who, like I, had no issues being queer. I still hoped that it was possible to outrun one's unrequited loves. Turns out it wasn't possible, though. Sophia's shadow was right there, walking with me up to the Gelagetza. Only when I was doing migrant stuff was I able to leave Sophia behind, because it felt infinitely more important to listen to the story of a grandmother who had brought their five-year-old grandkid all the way from San Salvador to keep them from being swallowed up by a gang. The thing is, the grandmother told us, You don't get to choose. The kid's dad had been in the gang. They had a stronghold on their mom. They had already had the kid shoot a gun. You get initiated that way. So they left in search of a different future in the US. They had gotten robbed on the train. Migrants travel on top of trains and are easy victims because they have no legal rights. Even the police will rob them. They also tend to carry cash for their coyote, making them low-hanging fruit and attractive targets. We cooked together, this grandmother and I, a corn dish. I listened. 
I told them about my grandma and my favorite dish they made, Bonenstadt. There, that day, I learned that you can find something in common with everyone you meet, even if their past is completely different than yours. Or I could anyways. That day, what we connected over was simple. It was food and the love between grandkids and grandmas. It doesn't have to be more than that, sometimes, to carve out a space to listen and to share. The kid didn't talk for the first few days at the safe house, but they played soccer with Rachel and me and some older migrants. So we played soccer for a few days and we cooked, and again the next day and the next one after, until the kids started talking again. That sticks with you. That shuts Sophia's up for a while. It gives you perspective. But then I'd go home again to the apartment Rachel and I were renting, out of the migrant space, and Sophia, of course, came right back. The point of the story of change is something I'm only just getting at. When I talked to Rachel for the 100th and first time about Sophia, they said something that, in that moment, felt immensely profound and true. They said that there was something inside of us, every one of us, some kind of essence or core or safe base that we can return to when there is an emotional storm. We just have to find what it is for us. Rachel thought it was art for them. This, of course, made me cry, at least in my memory it does, because I did not have that thing. I did not know that essence. All I knew was that I wanted to be by Sophia's side and for them to not be afraid of being fucking queer. But that conversation? Rachel may well have forgotten it by now. It stuck with me. I have since found that something inside myself that I can return to. And I believe it was that conversation that first got me start looking for it. For myself, that something is curiosity, authenticity and writing and, over the last few years, embracing the fact that I want and will keep growing and changing as a human and as a dog trainer. I have everything I need to allow myself to fully feel because I have this life boy that I can reach for to ground myself again. First I had to find it. Then I learned how to reach for it. Now I almost always know it is there and I know how to reach for it from all the angles. I can reach for it by walking for hours. I can reach for it by lying down in pine needles in the middle of nowhere looking up at a tree and smelling the forest. I can reach for it by breathing deeply. Three beats in, four beats out. Three beats in, four beats out. Just breathe. I can reach for it by messaging my people, and I'm very lucky to have a lot of people, two of whom are right here in Mexico. You've met them both, Rachel and Rodrigo. And there are more in other parts of the world. I can reach for it by snuggling my dog or social playing with her. I can reach for it by taking a shower, making myself a cup of tea as I talk to myself the way I would talk to a good friend, or treating myself to a very large amount of ice cream, again, talking to myself with gentleness and kindness. I can reach for it by finding three things to touch, three things to see, three things to hear, and three things to smell in whatever environment I'm in. I didn't have that yet back then. I just had nothing where Rachel had art. So that comment back then didn't help in that moment, but over time it did. Back then, I wished I had something like art. And now I have that. Thank you, Rachel. And Sarah. I thought of Sarah today. They most certainly had an impact on my life. We met at that same hostel, this magical place of human connection, and for whatever reason talked about Sarah's mother. Sarah's mother had died, and they regretted a number of conversations they were never going to be able to have. There was three of us then. Three long-term hostel people who hung out and did stuff together. Sarah, me, and a boy with puppy dog eyes and a motorcycle I named Rebecca. It was this one conversation with Sarah that stuck with me. 
I had a hard time connecting with my own mother, and I was getting to the point where I realized that parents die sometimes. And once they are dead, there's no more conversations. I did not want to live with regrets. It was talking to Sarah that made me realize this. From that conversation onwards, I spent several years on and off trying to have conversations with my mother about my boundaries. They were frustrating, all of them. But I kept trying. I was stubborn that way and egoistic about not wanting to have regrets about this matter. I believed I needed to get through to my mother in order to not have these regrets. And then, a little over a year ago, and by the time I had seen both Sarah and Puppy Dog Eyes Boy all over again, I let it go. I went to Austria and tried one last time, and then I gave myself permission to keep my mother at the very edges of my life and, if necessary, under very specific and not entirely crazy circumstances, cut that connection entirely. I gave myself permission to let things be with no regrets. This was not the hill I was going to die on. I had to try first though, of course, many, many times. I had to try and then I got to be free. It is funny to realize that all these relationships are connected to travel and living abroad. Well, there are three people in Austria who I love, but everyone else is somewhere else in the world. There is something about traveling that connects you to others in ways those who always stayed at home never seem to get in quite the same way. There's also something about making the place you grew up in just a place you visit that creates a rift between you and the people who never left. There are those who dare greatly and those who chose the life that others have lived before them. Those who dare greatly recognize each other in hostels and on buses and sometimes just walking down the street. And there it is, that spark, that connection. It may last or it may fade, but it is here and it is bright and it is amazing and can keep you warm at night and set houses on fire. And it is what keeps us, or me anyways, changing, growing, and learning. As a human being and as a dog trainer, it makes me marvel at life and love the people around me. I see that just like me, they're doing the best they can with the life they have and the things they know. And like me, they sometimes succeed and sometimes fail, because we are all beautiful, human, fragile, and strong. So before this gets too cheesy, I'm going to end at this point. I started this episode not knowing what I was going to talk about, but apparently not knowing what to talk about works out well for me. It just takes me back to the things I embrace. Change. Life. Grasses in the morning dew. I'm thinking of Mary Oliver poems again. Google and read some today if you're listening to this. It doesn't matter where you start. Just read. <laughs>